This program is a production of Restoring the Core, an initiative designed to assist those wishing to go deeper into classic Christianity with resources available in a connected age, online at restoringthecore.com. This is Finding Hidden Treasure. Recently, we closed the Year of Biblical Literacy on the Restoring the Core page. Wanted to have some discussion on some final ideas I had about enhancing biblical literacy in our everyday lives, not only with ourselves, but with those who we know and interact with, especially in a church environment. I'm becoming more and more convinced that biblical literacy is like learning a language. It has to be not only diligently studied, but also having the time taken to apply it to our everyday lives and to practice it with others in order to become more fluent in a language. I think we have to do the same kind of thing with becoming more literate in scripture. Here's some thoughts about enhancing biblical literacy. One of them is to remember that we need access to the text. And I think for English-speaking people in the early 21st century, this is not going to be an issue. Please do keep in mind that there are places around the world where people do not yet have a scriptural translation of any sort in their own what has been called heart language, the language they've grown up with, the language they know well. As a quick aside, recommend donations to groups like Wycliffe Bible Translators, particularly their seed company, which is looking to bring about biblical translations in all known human languages by the end of 2026. So again, for the English-speaking world, Access to the text is not an issue. We've never had greater access to the text. And yet, ironically, we may not, at least in the Western world, have had less of a sense of biblical literacy than we've had in centuries. What are some of the other factors we might want to think through here as we look to enhance our approach to biblical literacy? One of these, I think, is having access to those who know the text of Scripture. And please understand, I'm not saying that this should be a replacement for the way that we interact with Scripture. Not that somebody should necessarily act only as some form of intermediary between us and the Scriptures, but people who've read and have studied and have been able to give some really good insight into things in Scripture that may be of real benefit to us. So I'm looking more at a both-and rather than an either-or approach. Access to those who know the text could come in the way of sermons, uh, coming particularly in the way of commentaries, very useful for getting a little bit deeper into scripture and knowing what people over the centuries have thought about a given set of texts in scripture. There's also cultural input, and that's something that may have been more of a factor maybe even a few decades ago than it is now in a American culture there was a sense in which there was at least a cultural consensus that the culture was generally Christian. And this would show up in things such as even architecture, where you would find biblical quotes put into buildings that really did not have a specific Christian worship or study use. I think of the City Hall in Detroit, which has a quote from 1 Corinthians next to the Statue of the Spirit of Detroit. However, cultural input can be a factor, so keep in mind in this case, when you have reduced cultural input, you would need access from other sources. There's also access to those in your circles of acquaintance, those who may be perhaps your spouse, your children, your church community, and understanding what they know from Scripture and being able to take their insights and garner them into your own storehouse, so to speak, of scriptural truth and working with it. 
There are also print and digital sources that we can use to know the text a bit better. When I think of print sources, I think not only of things such as commentaries, which do come in print form as well as uh, digital, but I'm thinking also of devotionals, uh, such as Our Daily Bread or uh, Table Talk Magazine by Ligonier or Portals of Prayer, or a number of other wonderful devotionals which come in both print and digital format. Since we live in the era of podcasts, websites, ebooks, things digital, that we can use those as well to enhance our understanding of scripture. And again, an advantage we have that those of us who were living a few decades ago even did not have access to yet. There's also something we need to consider in terms of the means of integrating the text that we read or listen to into the thought and memory of our lives. This is important because it's one thing to just hear scripture or read it. It's another thing to ponder it and get a better sense of what the text is saying. How does this apply in our lives? Is there a call to obedience for something in the text? Is this something that shows us, let's say, the majesty of God? I often, when I'm speaking to people about these matters, will point to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, perhaps one of the better known verses of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, there's not a whole lot there you can obey. You just can't speak universes into existence. However, what does it tell us about God, the creator of time and space? What can we learn about God from the simple fact that he spoke things into existence, that he's there before the worlds began? There's also memorization. That's one of the things that, in my opinion, has suffered in the last few decades because as we have more and more direct access to scripture, especially through tablets, smartphones, and the like, I think people think, why do I need to memorize if I can just pull this out of my pocket or my purse? There are times when perhaps the battery on your smartphone might die. There are times when you might not have it with you. If you're memorizing scripture, it's something not only can you carry it with you at all times, but I think there's a spiritual benefit of having this resident in your heart and mind so that at any point you can pick this up. It might be when you're having an encounter with someone who needs some scriptural encouragement. It might be when you need some encouragement, perhaps in the middle of the night, bills or your job or other factors might start to bring the worries and concerns of life into your heart and mind. One of the ways of countering that, instead of just the old thing about counting sheep, is to bring up the promises of God that you've memorized so that you don't necessarily have to get out of bed or pull the smartphone off a counter or from another room. You already have this with you. There's also the understanding that when we're integrating the text into our thought, memory, and life, that life circumstances may guide us in the areas that we really need to become more literate in Scripture. For myself, one of those has been some recent work projects that I've been on that have required a lot of time and effort and thought and have had some tight timelines attached to them. One of the things that I realized I needed through all of this was the sense of God shepherding me, not just shepherding us collectively, but shepherding me, his love for me individually. So in the midst of this, I took to memorizing Psalm 23, perhaps one of the more famous passages of scripture, but rather than necessarily seeing it as something that's only read at the graveside of someone at a funeral, we may want to understand this is something for us as we walk this earth, this side of eternity. 
Something else that I think would help us in enhancing our sense of not only building ourselves up in biblical literacy, but also encouraging others to do that, is to trust that God works in the supernatural components of the text. Now you might ask, well, what does that mean? Consider that the Bible is not a book like any other. If you're looking at things such as William Shakespeare, for as wonderful a poet that William Shakespeare was in the 17th century, or other good works, biographies, textbooks, novels, and the like, there is nothing in those books that indicates that they were supernaturally inspired by God. Scripture tells us this, that Scripture is God-breathed that God is the one who put his thoughts into the writers. And yet, as Christian theology works through this, it's the understanding that God has somehow worked on those who actually wrote down the words of Scripture and not turning them into some sort of automaton or some human dictating machine, but somehow God using the personality of the authors in writing these works and yet also inspiring them through his Holy Spirit. So there's a natural as well as a supernatural component. I think it helps to understand that. John Piper, in recent years, has done a number of works on a supernatural reading of the Bible. And I think that if you take a look at his works, you'll get a deeper understanding of why having a natural and supernatural understanding of Scripture is very valuable for the believer. It's also helpful to understand that without the Holy Spirit's illumination, or in a sense, the Holy Spirit turning on the light. It's like trying to read a book in a dark room. You may have an entire text in front of you, but if you do not have the light to read it, you can't read what's there despite the fact it's there in your hands. I believe that the same thing holds true for those who are not in Christ. Those who do not have the Holy Spirit can be holding the Bible. They will view it as a book like a book like Shakespeare which they will understand there's certain genres in the book, there's a a long history behind it, and yet they'll lack an understanding of the supernatural component that a believer can see because, for lack of a better term, God's turned on the light. If you want a little bit of a background on that, take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. There's also the Lord Jesus' promise that has been extended beyond just the apostles, but also for those who are his disciples throughout time, that the Holy Spirit is going to bring to mind the text of Scripture, especially at times that you would need it. I'd like to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 26, as an indicator of this. The text reads, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. As we become more literate in Scripture, I believe that we can rely on the promise that God is going to bring to mind texts that are in Scripture through the Holy Spirit. I experienced this about a year or so after I became a believer in the mid-1980s. I was in a Bible study. We were discussing, if I recall correctly, some passages from Deuteronomy. And it was right around that time that I had just completed my first cycle through reading the entirety of Scripture. And there were passages coming to mind during that study that I did not pre-plan. I was not the teacher at the time of that class. However, in my response, it was very unusual that I was having things come to mind that I didn't expect to have come to mind. And I believe I've seen multiple times when the Lord God has brought scriptures to mind for me that wasn't a matter of my own human abilities to remember, but the Holy Spirit adding on to those abilities and bringing passages to light supernaturally. 
One of the other factors that I think is important concerning biblical literacy are things such as the importance of learning the text, the amount of time needed, the relevance to your life, and the difficulty to learn. I think for a lot of Christians and churches, there is a sense in which there's not seen to be a strong, urgent importance in learning the text of Scripture. So much of what we encounter in the church world are passages from sermons that are, for lack of a better term, disconnected quotes, one from another. So yes, of course, there will be sermons on passages such as the most famous passage from Scripture, John 3.16. However, there's a John 3.15 that comes before and a John 3.17 that comes after it, and a John 3 that is giving even more context. When it comes to learning the text itself, my observation has been that the importance of that is downplayed. I think it's one of the things that needs to be turned around, that as one learns scripture, you learn it's important to learn not just bits and pieces, not only quotes here and there, but to learn the entire scope of the text. There's also the amount of time needed. Now keep in mind, if you were to somehow read scripture start to finish at a normal speaking voice, it would take you about 72 hours to finish. And that's only reading it, that's not factoring in meditation, memorization, any other work that you're doing with the text. Here's something that requires literally three days to read start to finish. What do you do in terms of the other things to study it? I think there are people who ask themselves, do I have the time to do this? One of the things that happens with anything that we think is important is that if we think it's important, we make it a priority and we find the time to do it. And I want to speak carefully here because as we're talking about this, it would be easy to try to take what I'm saying and somehow use it as some sort of leverage of guilt against our fellow believers to say, hey, here's what this guy said about biblical literacy. You got to do this. I want to show that we're inviting somebody to a feast, not bringing them to be guilty about something that they're going to somehow think is some really burdensome thing to work through. Now, does scripture take time to read and to study and to reflect on? Absolutely. However, is it worth it? There's also the perception of the difficulty to learn scripture. Trying to get a sense, what does a certain passage mean? How do we work through this? Now, again, the whole idea behind this is the sense of priority. Something may be difficult to learn, but does it mean that if it's difficult to learn, it's not worthy to learn? Again, we do this even with our work lives. If we're working with software, for example, in a business or in an information technology sense, we would find it very relevant to our careers to learn these different packages, these different software programs, and we'll take the time, even if there's a lot of difficulty involved, because we see the importance of it. Something I'd like to encourage us to do when it comes to biblical literacy is to see the importance of this. There's also the factor of the joy in engaging the text and encountering God in the text. Keep in mind if you're reading something like Shakespeare, for as much as you can get a sense of how Shakespeare thought, you have to put that into the past tense. This is how he thought centuries ago because Shakespeare is not alive today. When it comes to scripture, the God who inspired those scriptures centuries ago is alive now. As we read his word, reflect on it, hear his word, we can encounter and interact with the God who wrote these things. In Psalm 16, we are told, in your presence, O Lord, there is fullness of joy. And that's something I want to stress in terms of a factor of biblical literacy. That as we approach a deeper aspect of our lives in scripture, rather than thinking it's going to be time consuming, it's difficult, I don't know where to begin, 
to understand that there is a joy that is in this process and a joy that happens as we grow in the things of the Lord. When we have read enough of scripture to know that we can connect one passage with another. When you see, for example, in the New Testament, I'll say particularly the Gospels, where you find the Lord Jesus fulfilling Old Testament prophecy, for example. You could say, aha, I've read that. I make the connection. There's a joy in knowing what the Lord God is doing and that he's revealing it to you. This is a good thing. It's not something that we should be looking at as some horrible burden that we have to endure. Is it difficult? Yes. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Let's not try to guilt somebody into reading scripture. Implicitly, it's telling this person that God's word is really an unpleasant thing to take in. That's not something we want to do. It's simply wrong. God's word is a source of life. It's a source of joy and delight. I think we need to make sure that as we are encouraging people to get into scripture, that we're doing it from the perspective, not so much of you got to do this, as much as I found this wonderful source of life and I want to share this with you. A little bit more about that as we're going to be closing. I also encourage you that as you're looking to deepen your practice of biblical literacy, find those with whom you can interact to have conversations with so that you can take your insights from what you've read in scripture and share them with someone else. Centuries ago, the English Puritans had a practice that they called conference. And one of the things that they would do is to purposely gear conversations around the areas of scripture. It might be something on the order of a father talking to a son saying, son, how is it with your soul today? Or son, tell me what you've been reading in scripture. What's been important in your reading that it has gained your attention, that you've reflected on it? I think in the same way we can build up our fluency in biblical literacy. Let me suggest that we practice this concept of conference. Perhaps it's with a spouse or children. Could be somebody from our church. Perhaps somebody you know in social media or through email or through some other sources that you can share your insights into scripture and also be the receiver of their insights into scripture. What's God been showing them in recent times? And again, it's a way of practicing biblical literacy, not only helping your skills, but the skills of other people who are looking to grow in the things of scripture. I have some last thoughts I'd like to share. I think the church culture, at least here in the United States, has been willing to accept a life of a particularly low standard when it comes to how we interact with the Bible, God's Word. A.W. Tozer wrote about this as far back as 1948. In his book, The Pursuit of God, Tozer wrote, We have accepted one another's notions, copied one another's lives, and made one another's experiences the model for our own. And for a generation, the trend has been downward. Now we have reached a low place of sand and burnt wire grass. And, worst of all, we have made the word of truth conform to our experience and accepted this low plane as the very pasture of the blessed. Your fellow believers may be very well experiencing a famine of God's word. Rather than offering them guilt, offer them spiritual food, not a substitute. Invite them to enjoy for themselves the true feast of taking in God's word for themselves. Thank you for listening to this program. We can be contacted at mail at restoringthecore.com. We're on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash restoringthecore. You can also follow us on Twitter at RestoreTheCore. Thank you for listening. We hope you will join us next time for Finding Hidden Treasure.